Hello and welcome to KIOS at the Movies. Today is a special episode where I speak to director Alexander Minnelli about his new documentary, Marionette Land, about a small marionette theater in his hometown of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and the idiosyncratic and charming owner Robert Brock. This is Alexander Minnelli speaking about the world that Robert has created at his theater. It is a world, yes. It's a, it's a finely curated and crafted world. You know, that's sort of what attracted me to it was when you walk in there, I mean, the film can't really do it justice. You have to really go there. When you walk in, you're just kind of clobbered with all of the marionettes. He has an affinity for like old school theater and film and production. Like to him, it's still, you know, it's like 1942, you know. He started shooting the film in 2019. We speak about making a film about a small theater in the year leading up to a time when public events had to be canceled around the world due to the pandemic. You know, we put 2019 on the screen pretty much at the beginning of the film. And I didn't know if people were going to make that jump, make that leap, that uh-oh, like to kind of the way I describe it as like see the, tr- the train coming at you on the tracks, you know, like he was firmly in the middle of the train tracks and there was a train coming at him. So I kind of toyed with, do I want to acknowledge COVID up front or do I want it to just sort of appear in the final act? And I kind of went back and forth and I think I just kind of let it go the way it is because I didn't want it to be a COVID. I didn't want it to be about COVID. It's not about COVID. So I didn't want it to kind of be pigeonholed as that because I feel like it's about so many other things. And I know there's going to be a flood of COVID movies. Like, it's going to happen. They're going to make metaphors for COVID and, you know, the same way they did with, um, you know, in in the 50s with the whole Red Scare, all that stuff. They made those sort of 50s sci-fi movies. So it's going to take over the culture. And I didn't want to be lumped in with that. Um, Just because I feel like his story has so many other subtextual things going on. And, and he's just, he's entertaining. And I, I want the film to be entertaining above all. So if you take one thing away, at least hopefully you're, you're kind of enjoying the show. Alexander explains how he met Robert and how this film came about. So I moved to Lancaster in 2012. And I didn't know anybody. I didn't know the area. So I was randomly walking around one day. This was in 2014 now. And I went down a street never went down just to explore. And I saw this little tiny marionette theater. You know, I'm definitely someone who's sort of, (laughs) I feel like I'm from another era. I love old sort of outdated things. And it just grabbed my imagination. And I said, well, let me see what this is about. And then I met Rob and got to know him. And we made a short documentary um, just for fun, kind of. And we became friends. So I, I always knew there was more to his story things that I didn't put in the short, things that um, we could explore. With the feature, it was kind of, it was 2019 and my wife was pregnant and I live five minutes from the marionette theater. So I felt like, well, now's a good time because I don't want to go traveling around to shoot my next documentary. If I can do something local, if I can do something close, I felt like now is the time to tell Rob's story. And we started shooting and we pretty much wrapped shooting and then we were going to shoot one more thing which was his big gala event that he was going to do for the 30th anniversary 
Well, then COVID happened. You know, I think that's a beautiful lesson that a lot of us filmmakers feel the need to go outside of ourselves, to travel, to tell a story. But there's so many people in our communities and around us that are doing these amazing, beautiful things. And that's that's the thing, too. Like, I think, you know, a few people were kind of questioning why I would do something. You know, they considered it like a local. Oh, this is a local documentary. And I said, no, no, no. Like the the character rob he's local but the themes that we're gonna talk about and go into um those are things that people anywhere could enjoy and appreciate and identify with and you know it's proof that you know several of the programmers at omaha reached out to tell me that they really loved the film so if people in omaha nebraska could appreciate this uh you know this story from you know, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, across the country, I think anyone can. Yeah. And it's one of those stories that I feel like it's so specific that it's universal. You know, like for Rob, everything he would try, it, it would either just crash and burn or it would crash and burn and then he would figure it out and make it better. So that, and I think that's what is great about him is he always makes it better and he keeps improving everything. Um, and he never quit, he never stopped. And you see that through some of the archival footage that he's been there for 30, like a marionette theater for 30 years, you know, by himself. Um, that's not very common. I mean, there's the Bob Baker one in Los Angeles, but, you know, that's a huge, you know, they have a lot of, uh, they have a, <laughs> I'm sorry. They have a lot of, uh, you know, puppeteers and, and crew so this is literally just him and his mom. So, and I think that's the key part too. I think, I think what makes this different is it's not just him by himself. He has his mom and he has this sort of cast of characters that kind of come and, and play small roles to sort of help him exe execute his vision. You know, it's the ultimate, like asking your friend for help, you know? It reminds me of being in high school and shooting a movie and asking your friends to just act in it, whoever's available. And that's sort of what Rob does. He still has that same spirit. And I think it, it shines through and, and it should hopefully, you know, when I watch it, I get inspired by Rob because even when he gets down, he never, he never quits. He never stops. You know, he has sort of that Mark Borchardt kind of spirit from American movie in a way where it's just, you can't keep them down. So yeah, I think that's a really beautiful thing about him as a person. And I think that really comes across. And especially like how unique it is, not only that he has this marionette theater for like 30 years, but it also ends up being this like hybrid place where he does these like drag shows as these like classic, you know, women of, of show business. And it just seems so natural. Like it didn't even seem like it just seemed like, yeah, of course that would happen in this marionette theater in Lancaster. Yeah, it just seems... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it It was the hook also for this project. You know, I, I when we were starting talks, I was like, well, what are you working on? What what can the story be? Or what can at least, what can the, the seed be that we start with? And he was thinking about doing his grown-up show, Divas and Dames, one more time, because he's in his 60s now, and it's, you know, he's back, he has back issues. So it was kind of, can he mount this one more time, um, and pull it off so that was sort of what i was starting with and then the mary and then the marionette stuff obviously was already there so we started shooting more of that um but you're right to me that and that's my favorite part 
that's my favorite part of the movie is watching him prepare for that. So. I'm curious. I've noticed in a handful of your films that I have seen, there is this kind of recurring theme of these people that are into old things. And specifically when I'm thinking of a video store millionaire and another film of yours, I saw the feature film at the drive-in. Oh, it seems like you're revisiting a lot of these people that are trying to keep these old forms of entertainment alive. Um, what's your attraction to that? <sighs> I, I mean, I'm obviously I'm I'm interested in those things on a surface level. I mean, I worked at Blockbuster growing up, and me too, um, <laughs> fellow CSR, huh? Yep. Um, and you know, obviously love driving movies. So that's sort of the surface level. But beyond that, I, I identified with these. So it's it's sort of revealing myself and telling my own story along with theirs. Um, you know, finding these people who have these sort of, uh, you know, similar trajectories, similar journeys, struggles, if you will. Yeah. Well, cause those are also things that I'm just super interested in because I love film. I love cinema. I love going to the movie theater, but I also loved going to video stores and going to drive-ins and, and like those things are like part of my growing up as a fan of cinema and a filmmaker myself. Yeah. And, you know, I re remember when Spielberg was young and he was making E.T. and Raiders of the Lost Ark and Pauline Kael wrote this sort of, I don't know, essay, I guess, kind of criticizing him and George Lucas and saying, you know, they're still stuck on the things of their childhood because essentially they were making, you know, they, they were stealing from the sort of TV shows and movies they watched as kids and they were very influenced by that. And yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but I just have like a vivid memory of being a child. Like I remember how things affected me or what I was literally thinking when I saw certain movies or just certain things happened in life. And I can't shake those thoughts. And I guess, uh, you know, being inside of a video store, being at a drive-in, being in a, you know, a marionette theater, um, it's just, it feels right. It feels, it, it, it's just, you know, the, the power of nostalgia, I guess, but it, it feels more than that. It's not just, oh, I like this because of nostalgia. I think, you know, I like going to the movies. I like, I miss video stories because I'm, it's, it's, you're communicating with people. Um, it's definitely super cool to sit on your couch and, you know, watch something on Netflix or Amazon prime or whatever. Um, it's very convenient, very comfortable, but, um, I'm not going to have memories of laying on my couch and watching, you know, whatever show I binged in 10 minutes on Netflix. Like it's just too digestible. Now I see the future becoming more and more docu-series and, and show, you know, it seems like the mainstream is moving away towards uh, moving away from movies to series now. Um, unless it's like a big budget spectacle movie. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I see that, but it's not what I, I like singular contained stories and that's what I try to make. And I think that's what Marionette land is. And I think that's what at the drive-in is. So, um, for me, it's, it's just their memories. It's, it's a way of sort of preserving memories 
of those places because again i'm i'm not gonna have fond memories of binging the queen's gambit on my couch you know like as much as i liked the show i'm gonna forget that you know but i remember those nights going to blockbuster and like you know sitting on the floor watching whatever they had on the screen on the tv in the store and like arguing with my friends about you know the movies that were all around us so those are things i'll remember and i think about with all the people that are at the center of these films too it's like it is partly about nostalgia but it's also like a longing for community and connection because there is no like you said there i mean there is no connection and in an algorithm suggesting movies to you. But there is, when you go to a marionette theater and you see somebody performing all of these voices and stuff live and you're with other people and going to a drive-in and actually like having to interact with the ticket person and then like get out of your car and like kids are out playing over here. And if they don't want to watch the movie, they're getting restless. They, a lot of times they have playgrounds and it's like a community, it's a place to go. It's an investment. You know, you're, you're choosing to do something. It's not this sort of passive um, experience, which, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll be watching something and then I just kind of forget I'm watching it now when I'm at home. And it's, it's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, but that does not happen to me in a theater or, you know, wherever. So. Well, then I think about the video store specifically, like, you know, you and I both have the experience of working at Blockbuster <laughs> And for as awful as people can be sometimes, like whenever you met someone who was like genuinely excited about movies and you got to talk about it and recommend things and walk them around the store, like those are, those are moments in my life that I cherish. Even if I don't remember what movie we were talking about, it was just like, I made friends, you know, (laughs) I don't make friends with Netflix algorithms. (laughs) (laughs) As we were having this conversation, I couldn't help but notice the things that me and Alexander had in common and why I'm attracted to his films. But I wanted to get back into Marionette Land. What what was the experience like and, and what was the production like? How long did you shoot? And um... we we shot from it was very like isolated and singular because it was basically me and Rob for 85 percent of the time. And then other times, you know, it his mother would join or someone else would join. Um, but yeah, it would basically be, you know, I'd check in with him like almost every day, or I would say, you know, if you're doing something interesting, text me, like you're going to do something. That was basically how we, how we worked because I live five minutes from the marionette theater. So it wasn't hard for me to just pick up my camera and go. So that was basically it. He'd be like, yeah, today we're doing this. What do you think? And I'd be like, yeah. And then I'd come by and we'd film. And that was basically what happened from August through December. And, you know, there were things, certain things I knew I wanted to get. So we kind of scheduled that, but it was literally just me and him and a camera. And that was, that's how I like to work. And it's, you know, I feel like it's, it's almost like a, like, like a dance, you know, you have to kind of feel it out and, and you do get into a rhythm and you kind of lose sight of, the camera in a sense where you just feel like you're both doing something together. And this really comes across in the film. The dance and the intimacy really allows for a vulnerability 
exactly the way Alexander's talking about it right here. So it, it was <laughs> the like if you saw a photo of the production, it would be the like least glamorous thing. You know, I'm not that guy who's posting photos on Instagram of me with a huge, you know, camera gear and, and, and all these dollies and all this stuff. I mean, I've certainly used them and have them, but you know, when it comes down to it, I just love, you know, hanging out and, and the dance of the, the filming. So. And I think a lot of the best documentaries that are biographical like this are like that. They're very small productions and one or two people, Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, and it comes across in the film. Yeah. Gray gardens was like a huge inspiration, uh, not just for me, but for Rob. I mean, he, he had the marionettes of the, of those two women, from i guess he did a production of it back in the day interesting he did mention being yeah. ed too he's like i'm like ed <laughs> yeah so um it, it was certainly something that you know that kind of just but i feel like that movie the difference is you know i i, I do like that sort of frank capra going for it moment as i say and i think this movie has maybe one or two of those uh, kind of sentiments or sentimental moments, which seem to get a bad rap. But to me, I feel like if you earn sentimentality, then it's, it works and it's beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I think um, with Rob, though, you know, he it, it's hard getting him to that place because he always felt like he had to perform. That was another thing. So you know, in a way he's kind of like, you don't know what you're going to get. Is it performing Rob? Is it real Rob? And it sort of blurs the line, even in the movie, you know? So. And I do have to say, I don't want to get too much into talking about the, you know, the last part of the film, but, you know, clearly we get into 2020 and he has a public theater. Uh, and it's already struggling in a sense. Cause I mean, you know, doing something so small and idiosyncratic, um, you know, is hard for anyone. And, and, and there is that, like, don't give up attitude that he has. Can you just speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, COVID has been a huge test for everyone, obviously. But when someone like Rob, who, you know, and he even says it in the film, like the, his audience is his sort of, romantic you know other in a way um it's his spouse uh that energy that feeling and then when you have it sort of ripped from you um you know i but i think i think to me i think it, i think it's ultimately a happy ending to me there's one scene in the film that really defines rob and defines what I think the movie is and what the movie is saying and, and everything. And it's the scene with the snow machine. I won't say too much more, but the snow machine, what happens to it, and then what ultimately happens, I feel like is sort of a microcosm of Rob and his spirit and just the way things happen for him. And uh, yeah, so that's ultimately what that scene was for me in the film, beyond just kind of being funny and then you know uplifting at the same time so um you have to watch the movie to not not you josh but listeners you have to watch the movie to kind of see that scene and, and understand what i'm saying but um yeah i think it's a beautiful microcosm of of the creative spirit and and rob as well especially in a time like this 
What are the plans for Marionette Land? So you got Omaha Film Festival. It's playing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else is coming up for it? So, you know, going to play at film festivals and whatnot for the probably the remainder of the year. I would imagine fall will be the end of that, I assume. But you never know. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll get a distributor and, and get a release. So, um the great thing about the Omaha Film Festival, and I do want to talk about that for a minute, is... Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the Omaha Film Festival, because you know, you've been there before. Well, I, I was supposed to be there in 2018. My film, my last film, At the Drive-In, played in 2018, and I actually had a plane ticket. I had everything. I was ready to go. And the morning of my flight, it snowed. It was a big snowstorm, and I couldn't get to the airport. So I called, and I had to cancel my flight and they would not refund me. So I lost a couple hundred bucks and there was not gonna be a way to get there in time for my screening. Um, Cause I was leaving early in the morning on the day of the screening, which is probably a mistake. I probably should have left the day before. Um, so I'm very sad I didn't get to come, but what I really appreciated was so many people reached out on social media. So the At The Drive-In Facebook page got messages from people from Omaha saying, yo, I loved this movie or I saw it. It was great. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for making all this stuff. And I was just like, wow, like that's, I didn't expect that, you know. Um, I hadn't been to the Omaha Film Festival. I didn't know much about it other than the Movie Maker Magazine kind of ranking it as one of their um best worth the entry fee so um i was very encouraged by that and then i kind of started talking to more people and it really seems like there's a film community in omaha and one that supports the festival especially and that's what i really like you know i've been in film festivals or gone to film festivals with a local community like you don't see signs for it anywhere like no one talks about it like you know, no one's doing interviews or podcasts about it on, on radio or anywhere. Um, and it, it felt like, wow, this community is behind it. You know, that's rare. Um, I think Philadelphia has that and a few other places, but that's, you know, it's rare when the community is like engaged with it, supporting it. Um, and they love the movie. Like you can tell they love movies because just the comment, like no one had to send me a comment on the Facebook page. So uh, it was it was cool. It was uh, really nice. I'm glad at least I got that since I couldn't make it there. Um, and hopefully now that Marionette Land will be available to stream at home for even more people, um, you know, hopefully more people watch the film and hopefully I get to meet and talk to more people from Omaha. Is there anything else you want to say before we head out? Please support uh rob and his marionette theater the lancaster marionette theater if you can on social media please support our film on social media um we're on instagram facebook you know you can just go to marionetteland.com um and yeah please watch the movie and and you know rate it review it on letterboxd imdb all that stuff so we it, it helps everything helps cool thank you so much for taking the time to do this Thank you. I appreciate it. Marionette Land is now playing at the Omaha Film Festival. For KIOS, I'm Joshua LeBure.